0: Professor Allen's Comics Reading Journal, for the month of October 2022. Welcome to episode 89 of this podcast series. The concept of the show is for us to have a brief chat about what comic books I've read since the last time we had one of these brief chats, which should make this pretty much the comic books I read during October. These issues are listed weekly in blog posts at eyesandhearsblog.blogspot.com and I regularly repost those on my Facebook and Twitter so you can find those lists. But those posts aren't spoilers for the podcast since those are just lists. And here, we have a little more review, a little more critique, and a little more discussion. But first we have some feedback. Billy D. was very busy in October, filling up the Magazines and Monsters podcast feed with horror comics episodes, sometimes multiple times in the same day. And yet, he managed to write in on last episode. Hey, Professor, thanks for sharing your readings and insights as usual. I've been so busy. With work, family, and podcasting, I haven't been able to keep up with the hashtag months. Really looking forward to hearing your horror output for October, and thanks for listening in and giving me a shout-out, of course. Voice actor Gene Hendricks said that between last episode, September, Fantasy Comics Month, and the quarter bin, I'm going to blame you for me starting up another Pendragon game after so many years. Eugene, yeah, I too am a sucker for all things Arthurian, and no, I'm not sorry. Robert Ludwig, the most sane man among us, said the episode came out just in time. I just finished the August one yesterday. <laughs> there you go. Sir Luke wrote in as well. Professor. Much like last year, I think it only appropriate to start my hashtag Fantasy Comics Month email with some song lyrics from a German heavy metal band. Tomorrow will take us away far from home. No one will ever know our names, but the Bard's songs will remain. Tomorrow all will be known and you are not alone, so don't be afraid in the dark and the cold. For the bard's songs will remain, they all will remain. In my thoughts and in my dreams, they're always in my mind. These songs of hobbits, dwarfs, and men, and elves, come close your eyes, you can see them too. The Bard's Song, Into the Forest, by Blind Guardian. I see these fantasy comics as four-color versions of the bard's songs. Tales of brave heroes and twisted enemies, strange lands, and stranger creatures. For a short while, they let you go somewhere or some when far away from normalcy and reality. Only these barred songs, they come with artwork, so that makes them better. <laughs> it's always fun to see the variety of titles which folks read for Fantasy Comics Month, and this iteration was no exception. You, professor, appear to have fallen more on the high fantasy side of the equation this time out, while my own reading was more of the sword and sorcery side. I read several True Believer $1 reprints of classic Marvel Conan the Barbarian comics, including a great reprint of the classic Tower of the Elephant, along with a selection of various Marvel Cull the Conqueror issues. I had planned to also read the two-issue adaptation of The Golden Voyage of Sinbad from Marvel's Worlds Unknown, which I picked up at the South Carolina Comic-Con this summer, but that will have to wait till next Fantasy Comics Month. And of course, I remain impressed as always at your ability to find Archie Comics to fit whatever theme you need. Looking forward to all of the spooky reads for October. Sir Luke of the Upstate. Thank you, Luke. Yes, Archie has done a solid job working their characters into every conceivable type of story and genre and situation conceivable. So there's always at least one trait (laughs) that I can squeeze into every genre. Unfortunately, for some of those genres, I've possibly... Exhausted the applicable stories, but we will see as the next months and years go by if that is indeed the case. Social media support for last episode came from Shane Kelly, Ranger Gord from Prayer and Justice, Pat from the Longbox Crusade, Wade Warren, Sir Luke Jack and Eddie Clinton Robinson, Vic in Phoenix. Clinton from Coffee and Comics, Sir, Sir Martin of Gray, Jeremiah the Notorious, JJG, Ed Moore from Teal Productions, Tory Franklin, Freebird Comics, Chris Leiden 7, Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, Johnny Guitar, and Star Wars Splash Page. Thank you all greatly appreciated. And now on to the books I read last month, as I do on this show. I'm categorizing the books that I read. And first up are the issues that I read specifically for podcast appearances, the homework books. For Quarterman 187, for November's hashtag War Comics Month episode, I read Guns of the Dragon Number 1, written and drawn by Tim Truman. And for this month's Doomspeak, we headed back to the future and read Doom 2099, issues 26 and 27, the start of the Warren Ellis era. And comics I read for listening to podcasts, and there are getting to be a good number of these most months, because DC Infinite app, and I love following along with comic book podcasts if I have the chance, and the app certainly gives me more opportunities to have that chance. And thank you as well, DC Comics-themed podcasters, for listening along with Laurel, a.k.a. Mountain Flower, and her crew. On episode 83 of the Huntress podcast, I read Nightwing and Huntress, 3 and 4, wrapping up that miniseries. And over on Feathers and Foes, episodes one hundred ninety, one ninety one, 191, and 192, they covered Birds of Prey, 13 through 15, featuring a fun team-up of the Huntress and the Renee Montoya version of the question. And as this title winds up, we get a two-part story from Mark Andrenko and Billy Tucci, the latter of whom I have met at a convention. To listen along with the new Batman Family Reunion podcast, I read Batman Family 10, featuring a Batgirl story that has Babs going up against both Killer Moth and the Cavalier. Fortunately, she has the OG Batwoman along to give her a hand. And for the start of the second season of Billy D's A World on Fire, I read the first two issues of the 1970s Revival book. I should say reread, because I am pretty sure I had these back in the day some 45 years ago. Those are All Star Comics 58 and 59 the books that gave us the Super Squad. And for Billy's Bronze Age of Horror podcast, of which, as I mentioned, he released a ton of episodes during October, I read House of Mystery 179, House of Secrets 92, and Adventure Comics 431. That is the first Fleischer Aparo story featuring the Spectre. And on to the general comic reading that I did. And we start with new comics right off the digital shelves. And we have two more from Hoopla, from Boom, which releases comics, or at least some titles, within a week or two after the physical comes out. So I read The House of Slaughter, number nine, which just adds another frustrating issue to this title. It seems that every time I get one that has some sensible plot movement or character development, I get one like this, which is just a jumble that I don't know what to make out of. It's starting to get even a little more frustrating. And the latest issue of the Keanu Reeves comic, Berserker! Number 10 where B is returned to the site of his birth by the doctor who's been working with him, and he and she share some telepathic communication. And as he reaches back into the past to commune with his mother at the end of the issue, very strange things happen. That's about all I can say. This is the turn towards the finale of the series, which I think ends at 12 so there's not much left. And then also, from the 33-cent box at Carolina Comics and More, which I visited recently with the kind and lovely Sutherlands, from Impact Comics, The Fly, 11 and 12, both were pretty good. But 11 was really good, tackling the topic of teenage depression and attempted suicide in a way that was, yes melodramatic, of course. But the message was delivered in a solid, real, professional comic book, which not every very special issue manages to do. From the quarterbin at World's Greatest, back when World's Greatest had quarterbins, I read Flashpoint, The Outsider one through three. For me and M, The New 52 was a jumping-on point, or for me, a re-jumping-on point. But the event that led into it, Flashpoint, I have not read much from that storyline, from that era, from that event. This one had a new character, the Outsider, a real bad dude, dealing with Black Adam and then John Johns. Not bad, but out of the context of the event, I don't think it really stands up to scrutiny, which made me wonder how many books from the last few decades do stand up to scrutiny, especially the ones that seemed so important at the time when they came out because of how intricately linked they were to an event that turned out to have no effect, no impact, no legacy. An event that's been rebooted a half dozen times since. And from the DC app, a series from the 70s that has had issues reappearing on the app every couple weeks, it seems. I read Secret Society of Supervillains 4 through 7, with Captain Comet becoming a legitimate hero, working with the Justice League, and plenty of villain appearances, including finishing up a storyline with Darkseid, and then Luther showing up, and then also some famous DC Captains of villainy, like Captain Cold, Captain Boomerang, and Captain Stingaree. Wait, one of those is not like the others. At this point, the Answer Man has taken over the scripting duties, and Bob Razakis' stories have become delightfully wacky. Also from the app, a mini series that intrigued me when I saw it first appear, Pennyworth 1-5. This bounces around time, showing young Alfred, his life as the son of a butler, falling for the daughter of the boss. We also get him on a mission for MI5 involving Soviet experiments, where he is working with the boss's daughter, who was also MI5. And then there's also the modern-day storyline, where an older Alfred runs into the daughter who has not aged a day since the Soviet mission. And this is not just in the kind way that a polite man would say to a woman, wow, you haven't aged a day. No, she literally has not aged a day. Good spy story, and not directly connected to the TV show of the same name, if you are wondering. And then also some kids' books, some from Sir Rob Lance and a bunch from Pulp Reality. These are Archie at Riverdale High, 24, Walter Lance, New Funnies, 190, Woody Woodpecker, 120, Betty and Me, 43, 121, and 140, and Jughead with Archie Digest, 131. I have to say that I was never... A fan of Woody Woodpecker cartoons, but somehow I find the comic stories to be, though not hilarious, definitely more funny than the cartoons. Not sure why, but that's my opinion, and I'm sticking with it. All right, so that makes this the time in the show where we take a break, play a promo, and when we get back, It'll be time to get into all of our Hashtag Horror Comics Month reading.
1: Hello and welcome to the Superman Super Show. My name is Steven, and I'm here to let you know what you can expect from this new podcast. I'm getting together with fellow podcaster Ed Moore, and we're going to be talking about Superman comics. That's it. Well, I should explain that we're starting from the beginning and we're taking it all one issue at a time. We're going to read every Superman comic ever in order of publication. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty sure that the two of us are going to kick the bucket before we get anywhere close to modern day Superman. But you know what? That's for future Steven and future Ed to worry about. For now, We're just having fun with these golden age Superman books because the Superman of 1938 is nothing like the Superman of today. But don't take my word for it. Here's just a little of what you can expect from the Superman Super Show each and every week. It seemed very broken. It was a bit disjointed. Good Lord, so much happens in those 13 pages. (laughs) He could jump. You know, and, yep. and it would be a little bit easier for him. No, he just runs he just, everywhere. It's like Forrest Gump. He was running. <laughs> what is he doing? He's got this freaking woman bound and gagged, and he just like, stay here, and sticks her behind a tree. Um, I think I've learned many lessons about equality and tolerance and whatnot because of comics. But sometimes you just want to see Superman take a torturer. <laughs> And throw them beyond the distant trees. There you go, folks. The podcast where two regular guys separated by a thousand miles of geography try and read every Superman comic ever. Then talk about them one issue at a time. That's the Superman Super Show. Don't miss it.
0: And we're back to talk about seasonal reading, which for October, of course, means hashtag Horror Comics Month. These were acquired from a variety of sources, and I'll do my best to identify the sources as I go. So in approximate alphabetical order, we have, and, Luke, I hope you're listening. We start with a handful of books from Archie Comics. Archie's Weird Mysteries 2 and World of Archie 5. Weird had a creepy family moving into the neighborhood haunted house. And Archie is the hero helping them find the lost family fortune. After which, they move to Hollywood to make horror films. And World of Archie has Archie falling for the new gal in town who may or may not be a vampire. And... Clinton Robinson are you listening because i read a book featuring the character you torment me over one of my least favorite characters in comics although at this point she's no longer lil for this one she's just jinx grim fairy tales the setup for the story is horror tales that teen babysitter jinx is telling the neighbors two little kids with interstitial bits of humor and a loose, evening-long plot. Funny enough for an Archie book, and enough Archie characters showing up, including a good Dilton story, to be grounded in the Archie world, and then also weird enough to be a Halloween-themed Archie book. And Pep Digital 112, Sabrina's Monster Manual. This one collects a few dozen stories starring the teenage witch. My favorite trope is Della, the head witch, showing up to tell the ants and Ambrose how badly they're doing raising Sabrina because she's nice and kind and has friends. In terms of my favorite single story from here, I like the one where a Magic the Gathering match turns from a card game into a real-life battle. And another digital collection, Pep Digital 60, Halloween Blowout 2, featuring a number of other stories, mostly featuring Archie and or Sabrina having horror-tinged adventures. And then there were a few that I read that had Archie branding, but without those connections to the Archie world or Archie characters. Such as Pep Digital 59, Archie's Tales Calculated to Drive You Bats, a collection of weird and goofy tales not featuring Archie characters but from Archie creators, with an Archie look and an Archie vibe to them. These ones seemed a bit like tales you'd see in Mad Magazine, perhaps. My favorite was the humans who are going on a picnic but trying to avoid the ants because the ants were giant-sized, and the humans were feeding on their crumbs and scraps. This is also from Archie, well, technically, mostly it was from Red Circle Comics, from the 1970s, Chilling Adventures in Sorcery, 1 through 8, which was an anthology title with the horror host Sabrina the Teenage Witch. She actually drops out of the title after issue 2, that's when the branding switches from Archie to Red Circle. Most of these issues are just collections of three or four PG-rated light horror tales. Not funny. Sometimes suspenseful or ironic, with some Twilight Zone-style comeuppance. But really just light, classic suspense stories. Not kid stories, but kid-friendly stories, if that distinction makes sense. I doubt this was originally black and white, but this digital version was, and that added the right sense of doom and gloom to the stories. And this was full of creators that we've all heard of, like Steve Skeets, Gray Morrow, and, are you listening, Dr. Ange, even Howard Chaikin. And from Marvel, Astonishing Tales 21, with a boring lead story starring... The Colossus called it, but the backup, oh my, the backup. This was a five-pager from Leon Ditko, the man who captured death, about a university professor, thank you, finally some respect, a university professor who captures death as it approaches the prof. But with death captured no one or no thing can die including diseases and viruses and bacteria and as this brings the world to the edge of chaos the professor releases death dies himself and the world is saved what a great story with the underlying theme of that's the problem when you give professors tenure. And not for the last time, an adaptation. This one featuring a gal who both raises the dead and kills the undead. Anita Blake, Guilty Pleasures, number four, which is my first experience with Ms. Blake, and considering it was the middle of a six-issue arc, I think, it was fine. A book I got from Sir Manuel Carmona from Aftershock, Baby Teeth, number three, in which a new mother notices that her baby won't take breast milk, but really likes the taste of blood. Fortunately, the new mom has a sister who knows just how to get some of what the baby needs. Crazy setup, interesting world, and weird comic. And a humorous one from American mythology, The Three Stooges, The Curse of Frankenstooge. With two new stories that were okay, and an old reprint from a Gold Key issue, I think, that was funnier, although it looked much more primitive in terms of the art than the modern stories did. But overall, this was not bad. And an issue from the very, very, very long list of topics we'd like to eventually cover Over on darkness to Light, from Aftershock, Dark Ark number two, sent in to me by Sir Manuel Carmona. The premise is awesome. When Noah was tasked with saving all the positive, wholesome animals on Earth, a second Ark, a Dark Ark, if you will, was dispatched to save the more monstrous beings like ogres and manicores and goblins and vampires and all that. In this issue, a murder has occurred on the Dark Ark. I know, who could have seen that coming? Great premise, really good comic. Sometimes, you never know how horror-filled a book is going to be until you read it. So, when I saw that I had in the stack a comic guest-starring Swamp Thing... I thought I'd crack it open here in October. That issue, DC Comics Presents 85, is a really strong Alan Moore story, but it isn't really a horror comic per se. There's a line in the comic that I guess was the jumping-off point for the story. The most powerful creature on the planet has gone mad. The specifics of how that happened, a Kryptonian artifact, is okay, But the portrayal of Superman's loss of powers and his growing sickness, growing madness, was great. And how Swamp Thing found him and healed him was also great. I really enjoyed this. And it's in running across Alan Moore stories like this in the wild, which makes you remember just how good a writer that crazy old weirdo is. In one of the crowdfunding books that I got via Kirk Spencer, Death of a Necromancer 1 and 2, this one has an art style that is cutie, almost kitty. It's bright and big and bold. In this world, necromancy is a thing, and the necromancer of this town has been doing her work for quite some time. But deaths can only be held off for so long, and at some point, her shortcuts come back to Haunter. Good story, professional artwork, really interesting world, and plot setup. And we mentioned adaptation before. We have some adaptations of novels that have already been turned into a TV series, which I've never seen an episode of, nor read a novel of, but a big collection of Dresden files was on Hoopla, so I read Welcome to the Jungle 1 through 4, Stormfront 1 through 8, and Fool Moon 1 through 8. This is the exact definition of urban fantasy where wizard Harry Dresden works with the Chicago PD to solve crimes of an unusual nature like in Welcome to the Jungle where a triad of witches empower zoo animals to escape and wreak havoc, all with the intent of gathering the requisite animal blood to do a whole lot more havoc. In Stormfront, an adaptation of Jim Butcher's first Dresden novel, we meet Harry and his supporting cast as he takes on a number of related mysteries and murders. I have not read the novel, as I said, but knowing that it was an adaptation, I looked for signs of shortcuts, and compressions of action, but I didn't sense them really. As a comic story, not just as an adaptation, I think it really works. Eight issues helps, obviously. Full Moon was also an eight-issue adaptation of a novel, this time putting Harry and his police connection up against a pack of werewolves, and also up against his police connection. Some of these were actual werewolves, some were temporary werewolves by magic. It was all very confusing to poor Harry. And it was also another really good read. These comics got me interested in reading the Dresden novels, but first, I have to finish up with Jim Butcher's lesser-known epic fantasy series. So I need to wrap up that series first, then 2023, Dresden Files, I'm coming for you. And from Ahoy Comics, Edgar Allan Poe's Snifter of Terror, Season 2, Issue 1, which tells a story that combines elements of the Telltale Heart, the House of Usher, and the cast of Amontillado, with references to other Poe works. A good, full, complete, one off story, creepy and weird in the right ways, with a Twilight Zone sort of ending, well worth. The ten cents, I paid for it. And from Charlton, Gorgo, number 19, telling the ongoing story of the giant lizard monster Gorgo and his mom, because even giant lizard monsters love their mommies. In this issue, the evil scientist Dr. Zunli grows himself to giant size as part of his plan to take over the world, because, sure, if you're a giant, you could do that? But Corgo saves the world by taking out the evil Dr. Junli, weird, wild story, this one worth the 33 cents I paid for it at Carolina Comics and More. And continuing with the next omnibus from a character I read a bunch of last October, Hellboy Darkness Calls 1-6 through and Hellboy The Wild Hunt 1-8. through In Darkness Calls, Hellboy goes up against Baba Yaga and some elements of Norse mythology as well. At this point in his character history, he's not working directly with the BRPD, but they are keeping some type of track on him, and they're very concerned at the end of this story that Hellboy is hanging out with his old buddy, his old dead buddy, named Middleton. Trust me on this one, everybody. Middleton's are rarely trustworthy, just saying. The wild hunt was Hellboy going up against the Queen of Witches, and Morgan Le Fay also shows up. Did I mention that he ends up the rightful ruler of all Britain? Because ever since September, we have not been able to fully get ourselves away from Arthurian references. And here they are, right in the middle of Hellboy. This story was one of the more creepy Hellboy stories I've read, appropriately dark and moody. I like that these are put together in chronological order, that there's a continuity to these stories. This again is Hellboy not tied into the BRPD going the solo route. Really, really good stories though, and I look forward to moving ahead with this series, maybe next October, if not before. In addition to the one I read to listen along with Billy D, I read more issues of this title, some in paper form, some from the DC app. That's House of Mystery 213, 299, and 304. Of the anthology style stories, I enjoyed most the tale of the fellow who used the dark arts to create a doppelganger of himself to use the doppelganger to kill the man's mortal enemy. And then he goes to kill the doppelganger to destroy the evidence, but he doesn't want to die. And fighting, the doppelganger ends up taking out the OG, which then destroys the doppelganger? A murder-suicide of the strangest kind. And 299 and 304 featured Andrew Bennett, a.k.a. I, Vampire, a favorite obscure DC horror property of mine. Great mix of the horror and the tragic romance. That is part of that title. Good Issues, Good Stories. And another one I found on Hoopla that had elements of both fantasy and horror. And my schedule was such that reading this fell into October. So Monstrous 1 through 8 from Image, written by Marjorie Liu. This is Monstress, ending E-S-S, as in Lady Monster. Monstrous? The story starts with a standard sale of slaves, one of whom is disfigured by missing an arm, but she also carries with her a strange and powerful tattoo or mark upon her breastbone. She has strange powers, breaks free of unbreakable shackles, steals sacred property, and murders one of the ruling band of witch matriarchs. In this fantasy setting, the powers that she has access to more resemble a Lovecraftian eldritch being than anything else. And there are magic weapons, talking cats, and all sorts of drama and oddities, and overall a solid story. But it is more of a dark fantasy than a horror tale, I think. So if I pick up the series again, it will probably be next September. Maybe not October. And a kid book from Boombox, from a grab bag I picked up earlier in the year, Munchkin, number eight, featuring a light, amusing story about a monster's hoard of gold and what happens to a pair of adventurers who stumble upon it. And a classic brand, from which I consumed a ton of content as a kid, these comics were from Gold Key, Ripley's, believe it or not, True Ghost Stories, 47, 53, 55, and 66. I'll be honest, reading four of these in quick succession, probably not the best idea. Not that there's a lot of repetition. Not that all of these 12 to 16 stories are exactly the same. But they're pretty much all exactly the same. Believe it or not. From Gold Key, another title perfectly set from that 1970s era. UFO Flying Saucers 4, which I liked the layout of. This had a lot of stories in there, many as short as one, two, or three pages. One focused on an actual hoax being perpetrated, but most included suspicious government or military agents who seem to be covering something up, if you know what I'm saying. And from Dynamite, the team-up that had to eventually happen, Vampirella versus Dracula 1 through 6, which takes the idea that the story between Dracula and the Harkers and even Vampirella is a cycle that has happened many, many times over the millennia and will happen again many, many times. So we get stories from a number of... Different eras all telling this one story. Very good. An interesting take on Dracula, on that legend, and also on the Vampirella legend. And this one's for you, Sir Luke, coming from the public domain, which I access via the Digital Comics Museum. Web of Mystery 1-4 through from Ace Magazines. These were reminiscent of Twilight Zone comics of the era, giving us pretty predictable ghost stories for the most part. Two that stood out were a story from issue two about a red-headed mermaid. That was a different type of story. And also one from issue three that featured a haunted violin. That was the cover story for that issue. And when I posted that issue on Twitter, Dr. Ange responded with some truly terrible punning. Good work, Doc. And that was a good bunch of spooky, scary, creepy-crawly stories, I'd say. I'm quite satisfied with the quantity and quality of hashtag Horror Comics Month that I was able to consume. But in addition to Halloween, October also continues the college and professional football season, which makes it a perfect time. To revisit NFL Super Pro, this time issues five and six. And we have reached the point where the stories get even more absurd. I know, believe it or not. Issue five had a failed coach kidnap all-star players so they could play against his team of failed players to I I, I don't know, it made no sense at all. Issue six. When a totally different direction, focusing not on football, but on a Native American woman who left the reservation to pursue figure skating. And no, I'm not going to go into any of the plot details for fear of being canceled for promoting Native stereotypes. And I think that's everything. In terms of my favorite reads of the month, spoilers, not NFL Super Pro. Of the good comics that I read, Secret Society continues its wacky bizarreness. Dresden Files was really good. I like Dark Ark. That Lee Ditko five-page story was terrific. But in terms of my favorite, I've got to go with Hellboy. When he was told that he was descended from King Arthur. So That's Hellboy the Wild Hunt number seven my favorite comic book of the month. Next month, I'm not really sure what I'm going to be reading other than some Sergeant Rock and Black Hawk for hashtag War Comics Month. But other than that, who knows? But whatever I do end up reading, I will be here to talk about the books I read during November in an episode that ought to be out in early December. Feel free to let me know what you think of this episode, what you think of any of these books that I mentioned. You can send feedback via email, relativelygeeky at gmail.com, or as a comment on the Facebook or blog post for this episode. The blog is at relativelygeekypodcast.blogspot.com. You can follow the network on Twitter at relatively underscore geek And, of course, the network has its own page on Facebook as well. Come join us. All are welcome. Thanks for listening, and keep the pages turning.